there's a message that's trying to be communicated. For me, it was a message from God. And it requires you to go through extreme ups and downs before you learn to listen. There's always a pandemic around the corner, whether it's worldwide like this one or whether it's localized in your community, whether it's in your relationship or marriage, in your family's health, in your finances, losing a job. There's always a pandemic around the corner. And when you make that commitment to your customer, it changes the way you communicate with your customer because now you're a decision-making partner, not an advocate of the company or the product. Sure, confidence is the lack of practice and skill. A lack of confidence is the lack of practice and skill. And so when I'm getting ready, when I'm working out, when I'm driving, I'm listening to the people that I admire. And it's like fuel. It's like fuel. So fuel up. You got the whole world in your hands, most of you. Use it. Hey, guys, and welcome back to the I Love Success podcast. My virtual world tour continues, and today I'm traveling not too far to Irvine, California to meet with Joe Simon and talk about the domination mindset and domination selling. Uh, this is a pretty cool guy that's been through a lot, and I'm super excited to honor his story, and I'm sure that you're going to get a lot of cool tools to you know, get a better mindset become better salespeople, and hopefully, you know, level up in life. Before we do that, I just want to read a pretty amazing quote by Joe himself, and then we'll get started. And this is from 2008, when he was in a completely different headspace than he is today. I collapsed in the shower of an apartment I was about to get evicted from. It hit me all at once. The emotion, embarrassment, the naysayers, the doubt, the frustration of losing so much, and a flashing sequence of all the bad decisions I had made along the way. The tears were running down my face like a waterfall, and after spending about five minutes on the shower floor, the water turned cold, and then it happened. I realized that I was not good enough to outperform any storm that I only made good money during good times or easy economies. I picked myself up and decided that I would do whatever it took to become someone whose value and skill set is unquestionable and respected by all and would head out to impact and lift as many people as I could during the process. I knew this was it. I began to study, research, practice, implement, and develop my skills and mind to a degree of obsession. So let's welcome Joe Simon. Thanks, man. I'm glad we're doing this. Yeah, I mean, reading that, you know, I was trying to visualize myself being in your position. You know, here you are laying on that shower floor and like, shit, what's going on in my life? And I think we've all had those moments where we're kind of lost, we've tried everything and it's not good enough. And I know a lot of people are struggling with that right now as we are speaking, right? Because a lot of things are changing. So can we just uh, try to go back to when you're, can you try to kind of mentally go back to when you're laying on that shower floor and like, why did it shift for you that and, 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 and not in other moments of your life? What was so unique or special about this moment, mm -hmm. you think? 
You know, the, the most powerful part of moments like that is that, you know, there's a message that's trying to be communicated. For me, it was a message from God. And it requires you to go through extreme ups and downs before you learn to listen. When things are going well and life is on cruise control, it's very difficult to hear or see, you know, purpose, um, you know, your, your future um, or be self-aware of what you're capable of. And so I, I, I know now that, you know, going through something like that, I mean, majority of the embarrassment coming from that, that episode that lasted quite a while over a year in 2008 was not just because I was going, you know, there was a recession and I had lost a house and had then gotten evicted. And then had, it was a fact that four and a half years, almost five years before that, I moved to California. I was living in my car for four and a half months, broke met people, got into an industry, did well in sales, made over a million dollars, and then lost it again. So it wasn't just the, the, the fact that I was going through a tough time. It was the embarrassment that I had made so much progress and so much money and then found myself, you know, through, um, you know, forcefully, partially by the economy and also by me procrastinating on, on planning my future properly, proactively, and also paying attention to what was really happening around. And what was really happening, I noticed, and is happening again right now, I've been warning about it for the past three or four years, is when the economy is great and money's growing on trees and everybody's doing well and everybody's buying name brand things and splurging here or there and getting a brand new car or just bought our first home. Everybody tends to brag about these things when the, the, the environment around them is great. And that creates a blindness to not be prepared for what might be around the corner. There's always a pandemic around the corner, whether it's worldwide like this one or whether it's localized in your community, whether it's in your relationship or marriage, in your family's health and your finances, losing a job. There's always a pandemic around the corner. And when times are good, we stop improving at an accelerated rate. And when you stop improving yourself, your mindset, your skill set, your heart, your emotional stability, when you stop looking at those things on a regular basis, you become susceptible to whatever is around the corner. And it hit me hard. I mean, uh, I've had a lot of fighters on my podcast and I'm, I'm a martial artist myself. And very nice. few fighters actually come back from a devastating knockout because mm -hmm. there's something that happens with the mind. We see all these fighters. They're so strong. They're indestructible. And then mm -hmm. someone comes along and knocks them out. Something happens in the mind, uh, which I think was pretty similar to what happened to you that day. But the difference is you came back. So I'm curious, do you, do you recall what tools or what you had to learn in order to come back, uh, which few people do, and I think more can do it if they knew the process and the steps of mm -hmm. actually coming back? Mm -hmm. You know, I had had enough periods of success in my life and reinforcement from other people to know that I had talent. 
Um, I had a a very, one of those lucky guys who had a great upbringing, perfect parents, great family, right? Very lucky. So I had a good foundation. And I find that those things, along with, you know, your mental health and your physical health combined, help people to to rebound quicker. And I think it comes with the, um, the realization, especially in today's world, you look around like, Every, most of the things that we're seeing online and on social media is show everybody in such a glamorous, successful, happy light that it's very easy to come down on yourself, especially if you're in an extreme sport like, like MMA or you have extreme goals as a business person or you vocalized huge goals and then failed in front of your audience, your, your environment, your friends, your family. And, uh, it's very important to reflect on your wins. Super important to not forget, go back in time and remember the other challenges that you had overcome. Look, no matter what you're doing in life, no matter what level you're at, you're better than where you were before. And so that concept of knowing that all it takes is for you to apply yourself to something. You might need to pivot. Maybe you need to choose a different sport but you still have that fire inside of you that is a creator. And by learning, accelerated learning through, we're connected to experts from all over the world. Dude, when you and I grew up, you couldn't just pick up your phone and look up profound information from every expert in the world. You know, so with the great foundation, reflect on your wins, learn how to recognize and understand your own personal fire, and then realize that if you've fallen, it's a call for improvement. It's a call to keep going, not to buckle. Doesn't mean that you have to continue going down the same lane, right? Sometimes you do have to adjust. Sometimes you do have to pivot, but you don't stop. It's not a failure. I hate it. You know, all these cliche quotes, you know, you look around, you're on social media all the time. You see everybody repeating the same popular words, fail your way to success. Failure is a part of the process. Why are we glorifying this type of mindset so much? It's called life. It's like that for everyone. No matter what level you're at, your problems are proportionate to the path you've chosen. If you're a billionaire and you have problems, your problems are proportionate to the path you've chosen. If you're a fighter and you got knocked out, your challenges are proportionate to the decisions you made. If you're a business coach and you're going through a tough time, Your challenges are equal to the environment you've created around yourself. It's just part of life, man. You keep going. You keep going. And if you pay attention to some of the other things that are happening around the world and other communities and people's health in other countries and and just the basic everyday things that we think are normal are super, super luxurious. I mean, it doesn't take that long to check yourself. And for me, I came up with a phrase, and, you know, and I keep using it, and I still have to use it till today. In fact, even over the past year, I found myself going through more emotional roller coasters because I'm at a different point in my life, and there are new challenges. And the concept is what you want to practice is to catch it quicker and quicker and quicker every single time. If you can learn to catch it quicker, accept it for what it is, not make too big of a deal out of it, and then take the next step. I think that's a, a superpower that we've been given as humans. Yeah, I, I agree with you. And I'm curious, uh, 
to to kind of what happened the day after you know you lay in that shower do you recall because usually it's we, we always hear this story and then I pick myself up and then 14 years later you're fucking amazing but I mean what happened the day after because it's it's a process right yeah yeah so for me you know I was I was a year and a half into my sales coaching career and the first year was easy because the economy was booming. I was mentoring mortgage companies and people that have known me as a leader in the community. But when, when you know, the economy got super hard, super quick, it, it wasn't, I realized I'm not far al- along enough into my career and my knowledge and, and the respect that I have from people for people to say, I still need you. Yeah. It was more like you're an extra. When times are good, we don't mind pain. But when times get tough, eh, not so much. So for me, the next day and the next day and the next day involved hours and hours of obsession through, through um, you know, personal reflection and obsession through pain of studying. You know, I had to run out and get books, whatever I could afford. I would spend hours and hours and hours laying out outside in the sun because I love the sun just trying to pick up things that I thought were, could be useful in my career from something, you know, basic and inspirational like Tony Robbins, all the way to looking at things that I've never looked at before, research on consumer behavior, research on um, psychological developments, um, neuroscience, you know, reading case studies from massive companies who had experimented in things in marketing and sales and leadership and how to get people to perform. I mean, I was just inundating myself with information, 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 repetitively, constantly, day in and day out, not sitting on the couch and reading a book for entertainment or for meditation. I was desperately trying to absorb as much as I could so that I could provide value, solutions, ideas, you know what I mean? Um, And strategy to the people that I was asking, you know, to to serve. It was crazy, dude, day in and day out. Yeah. And I mean, what motivated you at that time? I mean, you were committed, but how, like, why did you keep going and keep doing this for a while? Because I, I see, mm-hmm. I help people and I think a lot of people are super motivated the first days or weeks into the business. And then when they realize they're calling people, nobody's picking up or saying no, then it's not yeah. as fun anymore. And then you're not motivated. Then yeah. it goes into commitment, right? Yeah. Which not that many people have the tools to build and we want to help them with that. Sure. You know, I, I had, I ruled out the alternative, yeah. the, you know, the, the alternative of, of just going and, you know, for some people it's completely okay to just find another job and keep going and support your family, do what you need to do. For me, it would have been one of my biggest personal embarrassments ever to quit now. And I knew I wouldn't live with it. And I was also, you know, a single man living alone. My family spread out throughout the country. And um, I didn't have, you know, at that, you know, children to be uh, responsible for, or I wasn't in a relationship where I felt I needed to provide. I was like, look, it's just me. I'm going to live on eggs, water, tea, right? (laughs) Um, You know, whatever I had, you know, the extra money for. Um, I'm going to do whatever I need to do. I'm going to sleep wherever I need to sleep. And I'm going to continue to develop myself. And by the way, 
you know, it's becoming obvious over the past two to three years that you, you have to continue to develop yourself at an even greater accelerated rate than what I was doing back then in order to remain, you know, what I call in a domination mindset. Because being competitive and, you know, doing your job every day and just providing good customer service, that's not enough. This thing that we've been given between our soul to our brain has capabilities that I will probably never be able to tap into my capabilities throughout my life. I mean, I may have to live a thousand years. I don't know. But to forget, to think that, that you're out, another quote that I hate, I'm enough. Now, I understand I'm enough from a self-love perspective. But I think people take these cliche quotes and, and they're like, I'm enough. And I don't need to, it doesn't mean you don't need to work on yourself or become better. And then complain five years down the road why your life isn't going the way that you wanted it. Why you're so easily knocked down by a recession or a breakup or, you know, a friend um, backstabbing you. If you're very easily corroded and, and, and demolished and contracted, it means that you have not become enough. You have not become as resilient as you could be. You have not become as emotionally firm as you could be. You've not become as forgiving as you could be. You've not become as skilled as you should be. And so I've got, you know, I've got this fascination with, you know, continuously, you know, doing whatever I can to take my audience, my clients, my students, you know, even my friends sometimes and helping them, you know, through my stories and my example and my studies to try to build that awareness, that self-awareness that we see lacking so much in our country, especially right now. The lack of self-awareness, the lack of emotional stability, very easily reactive, very easily caught off guard, very easily angered. We're seeing it right now. And to me, that is way, way, like catastrophically much bigger of a pandemic than any virus that, that you know, the human race will ever endure. I mean, it's, it's so funny because uh, my yoga teacher always said, put your head in your heart. And I'm, I'm always trying to do that in business. And it served mm-hmm. me very well uh, because you gain the trust from people. Sure. And when you truly serve, you always get rewarded. Right. It, it's, it's unbelievable. But how do you build that confidence, though? Because I think when, when I'm confident, I don't have a problem of mm-hmm. doing that. But when I'm, mm-hmm. when I'm not confident, it's, it's much harder. Sure. Confidence is the lack of practice and skill. A lack of confidence is the lack of practice and skill. So first, it, for me, it's by helping people to at least see that a lot of the things that they'd say to their customers or to their community are very similar and that they that they're not unique because of the intentions they have the customer cannot see intentions the customer can only feel the vibrations and hear your words so the second step then is i i rewrite a a base model of their entire communication process from a to z using much more modern and effective linguistics and patterns and questions and closing styles and then we start teaching them that chunk by chunk. Part one, we broke on it, practice it. Did you feel it? Did you feel the control? Did you see the resistance drop? Yeah. Part two, get into the basics, get to know your customer's basic circumstances, find out if you should even move forward. Part three, go into discovery, 
start to ask challenging questions, things they've never heard before, go deeper, deeper, deeper. You see what I'm saying? And we practice something I call a progression, which helps the customer feel like when I speak with you, Peter, I feel like I'm going in the right direction. I don't feel like I need to shop or get a quote or question your integrity. I feel like when I speak with you, I'm just automatically headed in the right direction. And when we, when we measure their progress in each area numerically, yeah. and they start to see the type of control that they have over the quality of the relationship with the customer, that's when you start to see their confidence levels go up. Yeah. And it's very important that we track those along the way. Yeah. So, for example, if your average conversations you know, were you know, seven minutes long and now they're 13 minutes long, we track that. You know, if you um, tend to get a lot of distractions from your customer and questions and, you know, and, and they're, you know, in shopping mode, we measure that and we watch those things disappear as the, com- as the customer's partnership and confidence level grows with you. So it's very important to like measure people's progress and most sales organizations don't do it properly. Yeah. The only thing they want is deals. Yeah. We want deals. How many did you close? Put it on the board. How many did you close? Ring the bell. How many? Bro, it's not fucking Wall Street. Yeah. It's not 1995. You know I'm with mean? you, man. I'm with you totally. Yeah. And the, the only thing that I, this is very high level mastery. This reminds me of when you, when you see a, a fighter doing things effortlessly, almost like watching Bruce yeah. Lee yeah. back in the days. Mm-hmm. And I love it, but how do you convince a person that is an average salesperson that's been taught mm-hmm. how to, you know, this is how you do it. You have to have the sure. script. You have to ask for the, uh, the deal. You have to do that. Like, how do you get them to mm-hmm. understand that you're not Dude, losing That's a control. powerful question. Yeah. One, this is one of my favorite questions because it's, it's probably one of the most intelligent questions you can ask a sales coach to find out if they're the real deal. So first I earn respect. I may spend three to six weeks simply explaining to them the actual research that I've done, showing them the research that I've done, explaining their psychology, role-playing the difference between A and B. And what I find is when I, when I first take the sales agent through my learning process, whether they get it 20% or 100% doesn't matter. Anything is good. Then they start to go, damn, that really does make sense. And then I would simply ask, would you like me to write, fast track you and write the language that you can begin experimenting with? And then I tell them, please, I want you to know when you're practicing new language, when you're practicing new questions, when you're eliminating sales patterns, from maybe it's a little bit uncomfortable for a while, but you got to remember everything that you learned in sales right now, you didn't know shit when you first started. You learned all that too. You started with nothing too. And so if you can just commit with me for about 90 to 120 days, you're going to go through something called naturalization. And then you're going to go back in time and I'm going to ask you to listen to your calls, to listen to your sales presentations from three months ago. And you're going to be like, damn, that was me? I forgot that I used to talk like that. They've established new habits. Now, this doesn't happen with 100% of the sales agents. Some sales agents make 10% improvements. Some of them commit to it 120%. Some of them 50%. Some of them are hybrids. They like the way that they sell. That you know, It makes them feel cool and so forth. So I tell them, just mix it. 
take what works, but I am going to measure everyone's progress, not just the people who are, who are opting in. And then you create a culture, what I call a pull culture, where if you can make it long enough to where, regardless of how much experience or how much ego you have in the room, if you can just, most companies, I have those three, four, five, six people that catch on right away. And usually they're new or underdogs. And when their numbers start to go up, it raises the bar for everyone. Because if Kevin is doing now, he used to doing triple what he used to do, then everybody should. And we watch the performance culture of the company go up steadily. This is not a 30-day process. This is usually three to seven months before we see catastrophic results. How do you deal with, you know, uh, going into a company, helping them and you, you, you might be met by skepticism and, and mm-hmm. th- does this really work? Like, how do you keep your confidence for, for yeah, 20 so, days? Remember, I mean, before I got into coaching, I was in sales for 16 years. Yeah. And every time they would bring in some dude from the outside, I'd be like, here we fucking go. Yeah. <laughs> like, who is this guy? Man? Has, has, he even sold, <laughs> has he even worked in our industry before? Does he even know like what's going on, right? And so right off the bat, I mean, we're having a pretty serious conversation, but I would say, you know, the first three or four sessions I have with a company, they're dying laughing. Yeah. And I'll come into a room and I'll say, hey guys, what's going on? I'm like, let me guess. All of you were probably saying, I'm so excited. This guy that we've never met before claiming to be an expert coming into our industry, teaching us how to do what we've already been doing. We're already successful. A couple of you are top producers. I bet you were super excited to meet me today. I bet you couldn't wait to come to this meeting, right? And they all just look at me and smile. And I go, seriously, how many of you are thinking, who the fuck is this guy? And why am I leaving my desk? I need to be doing business right now, closing my deals, not listen to some motivational dude. How many of you felt that before you walked in? How many of you thought that, you know what, told your manager, this better be fucking worth my time? Excuse my French. But these are salespeople, right? (laughs) How many, and then everybody raises their hand. I'm like, how many of you thought, you know what, you know, I'm so tired of having sales trainers come and go, come and go, come and go, and it never, ever works. How many of you felt that before? How many of you have been to Motivation? How many of you have been to Tony Rock? I cover the whole room. Yeah. Cover the whole room. I'm like, all right, now that we got that out of the way, let me make you a promise. I will earn your respect. Day by day, week by week. Some of you will use a lot of our training. Some of you will use a little bit. I never want anyone ever to step in this training unless it is 100% your will. Do not come in here because your manager told you you have to. I'm saying it now. Come in here selfish, willing, flexible, whether you like 10% of it or 100% of it, that's all we ask. And I start with that type of a foundation, which makes it very real for the sales agents. you know. And we just start building from there. And it's a little fun. It's joking around. It's seriousness. It's cool stuff. And usually within within three weeks now, of course, 14 and a half years later, after having the results, you know, the hundreds of companies that I've mentored and the reputation that I have, usually within two or three weeks, people are, you know, pretty, pretty excited. There's always one or two people in the group that are stuck in their ways. I stay friends with them just to say as same as everyone else. That would be ignorant. I don't like that guy. Why he doesn't come to training. Who fucking cares? That's his decision. Who cares? I will help the people who have an open heart. I love that. And I will also respect and enjoy the company of everyone else too. 
But, but how do you get unattached to the outcome though? That's, I think that's one of the issues. Well, so you don't want to be unattached to your outcome. You actually want to be more clear about your outcome. If you and I were talking about something and you met me as a customer, I, I would teach you to say, Joe, I'm going to get to know you. I'd like to figure out everything that you want to do, find out what's most important to you, figure out your priorities. At the end of this conversation, you know, I'd like to help you decide, is this something that makes sense for you? Does it, you know, is it something that you're confident about and comfortable with? Or is it not the right time? Is it not a good fit? I'm here to help you find out what the right decision is. When we're done, we'll know everything that we need to know in order to make a decision. Well, if that decision is for us to move forward, then we'll do that together. And if it's not, then we'll, I'll keep in touch with you. Sound good? I begin with the end in mind. I've stated my outcome. Now, by design and strategy and ethical influence, I'm going to take my customer down a path so that they arrive at the decision that I want them to arrive at if it's the right decision for them. So I'm not saying that, but when you don't have that mindset, what you're doing instead is you're constantly finding a way, you're looking for a way to close your customer. Yeah. But if you're looking, if you're creating a decision-making process, you're sitting on the same side of the table as your customer. You're their partner in this process. Yes, you can educate them a little bit along the way. You may have to explain to you things along the way. You may want to talk to them about alternatives, but you need to make sure that the way you design your communication is to end where you want to end at a decision. Not a quote, not an offer, not an email, not a this, not, a, not information transfer, decision which means you would have discussed everything that you need to discuss. And if you're not ready to make the decision, you continue the conversation at a later date, but you do not arrive at a decision until you're certain. Because if you're certain and you can explain your certainty, your customer will be ready to go. Yeah. Is that helpful? Yeah, it is. And yeah, it's a very unselfish you know, way of closing. Love that. And final question, uh, we are all about sharing stories and tools and all of that, but- yeah. I want the people that are still here now, almost an hour in, to take action yeah. because my big fat goal is to help at least 10 million people to go after their dreams. Okay. That's, nice. that's what wakes me up in the morning and, and makes me work hard. Mm -hmm. uh, so what's the first thing they can do right now to get a little bit closer to their goal or dream? Well, you know, people have different goals and different dreams. Um, I would say, you know, the simplest thing that I still do sometimes is I go online and I just watch video after video after video of someone who has done something similar that I aspire to do. And their energy, just like we're transferring energy, their energy, their words, their accomplishments, their problems. I need to feed my soul. Take action. Take action. Feed your soul a little bit. Put some fuel in your tank. Stop looking at only funny videos and drama and people beating each other up. Go feed your soul a little bit, the best way you know how. Whether it be through your faith, through your physiology, your body, meditation, or going and finding the people that inspire you and digesting their information and their knowledge over and over and over and over. Sometimes I wake up in the morning and I play music. Other times I know I need fuel. And so when I'm getting ready, when I'm working out, when I'm driving, I'm listening to the people that I admire. And it's like fuel. It's like fuel. So fuel up. You got the whole world in your hands, most of you. Use it. Good stuff. Love that. Joe, Saman, 
Thank you so much for your time. I appreciate it. You got it, man. Thank you. Uh, people want to connect with you, work with you. Where can they find you? Sure. I have a couple of different programs. I also created something called Top Producer Academy. We're launching a, ma- a mastermind next month again, a low-ticket, high-impact mastermind. The best way to get a hold of me from most people tends to be Instagram. It's super easy. Everybody uses it. You, you've heard this a thousand times, and you'll find all my information there. We can also drop some of the links below this video if you want. Of course. Awesome, Joe. Uh, thank you so much. Uh, I want to thank, thank you. Thank you, Peter. Yeah, thanks. Congrats on everything you're doing, man. God bless you, and I'll see you soon, hopefully. Thank you. And thank you, everybody that are still here watching. And I hope you enjoyed this show with Joe. Uh, had a great time uh, getting to know him a little bit more. I'm definitely going to use uh, some of his tools to improve my own life. And if you enjoy what we do, and if you enjoy this conversation, I need help because I want to help and impact a lot of people. And I can't do it myself. I need you to show me some love, share this with somebody that needs to hear this message. Uh, Give us a review uh, so more people can find us. Go to my website, ilovesuccess.co. There's almost 200 of these incredible conversations. I'll give you a couple of free chapters of my book as well. Uh, that's it guys Uh, and the last thing I want to hear from you if you're struggling with something if you have a goal if you have accomplished something if you need uh, some help reach out to me on Instagram Peter Jumrukovsky or email me info at IL success that's it talk to you next week thank you so much bye bye